0: This is episode 133 of Relate on Developing Cultural Understanding with Tamar Gargore. We are spending more and more time in the online world, looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real-life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet, so let's sit down and relate. I am your host, Patrick McAndrew, and welcome to another episode of Relate. Today we have a great guest joining us on the show. His name is Tamar Gagore. And he is doing some incredible work right now in the podcasting space. He's actually been a radio announcer and has worked in this field of content creation and management for a long time now. But he has recently entered into the podcasting space after going for his master's in digital media, and he has created a podcast called Traveling While Arab. And this is an incredibly insightful documentary-type podcast which looks into the stories of people from Arabic backgrounds who have had difficulties traveling to and from the Western world. It's an incredibly timely podcast, and I really enjoyed my conversation with Tamar. We talk a lot about really people's difficulties to understand different cultures, what that means in the Western world, what it means on social media as well, how different cultures use social media, the importance of traveling and why it opens our hearts to the humanity of different cultures, and why there tends to be a lack of cultural understanding in our world today. There is a lot that we unpack in this episode. I don't want to spoil it for you all. Continue tuning in. If you like this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a review. I would love to hear your thoughts. And if you have any specific stories that you would like to share related to this, be sure to stay tuned until the end where you could find out all of the great information that Tamar is providing for you all. So, with all of that said, let me please introduce our guest for today's episode of Relate Tamar Gagore. hello everybody welcome back to the relate podcast today's guest is
1: tamara gagore tamara thanks so much for being with us today thanks for having me patrick I always wanted to say that thanks for having me
0: <laughs> well i I'm, I'm I'm glad that you have the opportunity today i'm I'm really excited to dive into this conversation with you you've been doing some amazing work really throughout your career, but then especially recently with the release of your podcast, Traveling While Arab, I'm really interested in diving into a deep conversation, not only with regards to your career, but then the work that you're pursuing now, because I think it's a vitally important topic to discuss, especially given what this podcast is about, talking about the importance of Connection and human relationships, and what that means on a global scale, and also how technology plays a role for better or for worse in that. So, very happy to have you here today.
1: Thanks. I'm happy to hear. I'm happy to share whatever I can. And, you know, the timing is, it couldn't be more perfect. Unfortunately, I use the word perfect sarcastically in the sense that, you know, it's a very poignant time. I think now is the time that we need to start having these conversations more so than ever. Absolutely. So I'm wondering just for our listeners, if
0: you could start off by talking to us just a little bit about your journey. Where does it begin and how did you get into radio broadcasting and content creation in the first place?
1: So basically I was the third son um, of a fourth-generation family-run business. Uh so both of my older brothers basically neglected to, to take that mantle and I wanted to be the good kid. So I went to university. Uh, I got a law degree from Cardiff university in, in Wales, came back, worked for the family business for seven years until I went to my, my dad and I told him, uh, is it normal not to wake up happy e- ever in this job? And, you know, he kind of looked at me and there was, there was a heavy, you know, it was a heavy moment, but he said, no, absolutely not. You know, I've always been a creative. I've always been a musician and a performer um, so I told him, I'm, you know, I, I made that decision to leave the family business, which was, which was pretty rough. And, uh, I spent a year kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. You know, um, I had a good friend that kind of said, look, you know, you seem like a fairly articulate person, uh, fairly entertaining. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give you an afternoon radio show, just sort of like three times a week for two hours. Um, and that just rolled into something which I never really expected. A radio show turned into a morning show. Morning show turned into a station manager, and that's kind of been the the projection, I, a trajectory I've been going over the past seven years. It turned into really a love. I, I never expected to do it, but it kind of turned into the perfect thing. And as an introvert, it was perfect because I get to sit behind a mic while talk to people without necessarily <laughs> being, you know, in front of them. So it, it it worked really well for me. So that's kind of how things started.
0: Well, it's it's always interesting to look back in our lives and see how the path winded up to where we're at. I think it's really fascinating that you, in a lot of ways, this opportunity was presented to you and it wasn't something that you had thought about doing previously, but you dived in. I, I imagine in the beginning, it was somewhat uncomfortable and it took some time to figure out your way around the radio station
1: yeah for sure you know and all I, you know jordan when i was in jordan at the time and it was small you know there were only about seven or eight english radio stations so everybody knew each other and it was kind of like a little intimidating to get your foot in the door um but i had great support and you know within a couple of months i realized i was moving dials and you know playing with the volume without thinking about it and that's when i kind of like finished one show i'm like whoa I I didn't even think about what to press and how to press and what volumes. It just happened naturally. But, you know, it's just like practice, but it helps when you find something that you're you actually enjoy doing. So if you're good at it but, and you enjoy it, that's like that's a dream come true. And it's it's still kind of a dream job for me.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that when you're doing something that you enjoy, you are much more likely to Work hard at it, or to rather not mind working hard at it at at least as much, even though there are those times where it gets very difficult. Right. And so you were do, you were doing this in Jordan, and then I know you are in Canada right now. Did you stay in Jordan for a, a long time, and then you just have recently come to Canada, or or is it been kind of a a different journey than that?
1: Yeah, you know, it, and again, this is. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty open about what's happened to me over the, over the past few years. You know, I've been Jordan most of my life. And my mom's American. My dad's Jordanian, Palestinian originally. Um, but, you know, that's why my English is predominantly my, my first language through my mother. So I, I spent all my life there. I got married to a wonderful, wonderful woman called Raya. And um, about almost three years ago to the day, uh, we had a tragedy in the family where we lost our father and my brother in a, in a car accident. And at oh, wow. that time, yeah, it's rough uh it's just again, it's like it's like you said, you have moments, you have key moments where something happens which shifts and pivots your whole life in a certain direction, and one of the things that I kept on recalling while I went through a year where I had to take time off from the radio, I said, look, it's you know it's it's not coming naturally and i and I know that people can hear that coming through, and that's uncomfortable for any listener as much as you want to try, and as professional as you want to be." You know, you can still feel the people out there who were thinking about that. Again, Jordan's a small country, so everybody knew what happened. Um, but one of the things that I always remembered was my father and I spoke about continuing a master's degree. And also, he was a huge advocate for traveling. He wanted me to leave Jordan, to leave the comfort of this small little bubble where it was easy to become a big fish in a small pond. Um and you know, getting a proper master's degree moving forward in, in digital media or media in general was always something that we spoke about. So in a way, uh, the decision was made for them, you know, in, in memory of my, my my brother and father. Um, but slowly, it became a different thing. You know, I now have a two year old, a little boy as well, and that's changed the trajectory of. What I want to do with my work, as opposed to being a morning show entertainer who talks about sort of you know Nicki Minaj but also funny anecdotes and you know comes up with with games and 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 stuff like that there 's something a little more a little more important I mean everything is important entertainment is important but it 's the first time in my life, especially coming to Toronto, which has really opened my eyes to being aware of everybody else, you know, people call it politically correct. But for me, it's the first time I've been put in a situation where you truly have to be mindful about how you speak, what you say, you know, how you carry yourself. It, it's it's gotten to the point where you can very easily, um, you can upset a lot of people. And to a certain extent, that's kind of expected with being, you, nobody's going to love everybody. You can't make everybody love you. But being in Toronto has definitely taught me a few things uh, on a personal level as well. So it's it's just a constant snowball that keeps changing direction and and you know getting faster and bigger as well. And that's what happened with uh, traveling while Arab.
0: Yes. Oh, I would I would love to to dive into this. I think that now hearing this backstory of yours, and I'm I'm so sorry to hear too about the loss Thank of you. your your father and your brother. I, I, I can't even imagine. And with all of these life events that, that, that you have experienced, and then, as you said, going to go for your master's in large part in memory of your father and brother, knowing this backstory now, the creation of traveling while Arab from my perspective, from, you know, an outsider's perspective, mm. it, it makes so much sense. And it, it really is this, this powerful and, and also very well produced mini series talking about really important issues that are happening within our world. So I would, I would love to, to dive into this and I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners what what is this this podcast about?
1: Sure, you know, initially it started off as a requirement to complete a master's degree, but you know now it's turned into a, a personal project, which I really has I, I feel like has a lot of breath of life to it. Um, it's a it started off. The initial three episodes uh, are specifically about social media being used as a tool to hinder or restrict the free movement of Arabs in the Western world. Um, only the Western world, because that's specifically where I could find people who have had a lot of experiences. Uh, I'm not limiting it to there and saying it only happens in in Northern America or Canada, uh, but that happens to be where you know most of most of the stories accumulated. Um, so I've been able to speak to a few people who have who have been neglected entry into the United States, even though they have uh, had fully valid five-year visas uh, by using social media. And it turned into sort of, you know, there was a lot of stereotyping involved. There were a lot of uh, legal gray areas where you didn't quite understand where, what was going to happen, what rights you had. So I learned a lot about it, but also another thing which was very important was i didn't want to just spew out information and i didn't just want to have like here's here's what he said no there was a lot of research that went into it it's almost academic in the sense that you know my reputation was on the line so i had to do enough to to make sure that 100 percent of what i was saying was true and and that's where i learned so much more and i and it opened up the conversation to me to much wider areas of you know profiling islamophobia um, we're talking about, and hopefully in the future episodes as well, uh, of, you know, fear of attire, how Arabs feel like they they have a need to assimilate into a culture, to fit in, to change their names from Ibrahim to Bob or Muhammad to Mo, you know, just to kind of like get that little bit of a, an acceptance level. Um, when at the same time, we're, we're so culturally, we're moving so culturally fast and integration, this shouldn't necessarily happen. Um, so, you know, it, it started off as a very technological thing and the first three episodes are are very specific on social media and the hindrances, but as well as the advancements that it provides our culture, but it it's got a lot more room to grow and I'm excited about that as well.
0: Yeah. I think that it, it really strikes a chord with a lot of people because there's so much to unpack and there's really this dark underbelly of the Western world that I feel like, People like myself who are white, a lot of times, unless they educate themselves on these issues, they don't realize it. And I think that's a big reason why I'm so drawn to to this podcast, Tra- Traveling While Arab, because it really puts a spotlight on some serious issues yeah. th- that are happening. And what do you think, uh, what are some of these structural issues that the Western world has embedded within its culture? And and why do you believe from your perspective that there are these prejudices?
1: Well, as as, you know, the more I've done research, the more I've realized that Western media has actually contributed to a lot of the stereotypes. uh, And you'll find a lot of work already done about that, you know, and you can go as far back as... You know, much earlier than Aladdin, Disney and, you know, the starting song where they basically say, you know, Arabs are barbarians and stuff like that. You know, it's not been hidden. Even when you see it now, a lot of people make the joke that, you know, you have to use the sepia filter whenever you film in Mexico to let people know that it's in Mexico. And that's not what it looks like. Same thing for Jordan. You know, I've had people ask me, you know, oh, oh, uh, first of all, here's the conversation. Hello, so where are you from Jordan, Georgia? I have family in Jordan no no, no no, no Jordan, oh Jordan that's, <laughs> what, that you know like the River Jordan, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, uh n- next to Israel, and you're like, uh sure, next to Palestine. you know, and then that, that that's when like everything just kind of like falls in <laughs> and you all of a sudden I feel kind of guilty for being Arab and originally Palestinian and stuff. Um, so I, I think that's a big part of it. It is the West, the Western media. Um, and for a while, I feel that social media opened up the potential to really show who we were. Like we've used media very, very, uh, very well to kind of change that. Um, you know, recently, uh, uh, Jordan, was uh, nominated for the best foreign film award for the that was uh, two Oscars, I believe ago, or three Oscars ago. That was huge for us, you know, cause it finally showed that this showed us the historical part of, you know, the nomads and the tribes, but with that education and with that knowledge of the land that came with it, not just the barbarianism that that's been constantly shown. Um, but to, to reflect on what you said about, you know, being, being white and, and, you know, looking at these kind of things, The interesting part about this is that I myself am very white passing. And this is, again, a new term that I learned. And When people do look at me and they do hear me talk, they do not assume that I am Arab, but I am, um, you know, more Arab by blood than I am anything else. So I have been able to get both sides of the coin. And I think that's what gives this um, this particular podcast an edge, is that I can speak for the Western world and I can speak for the Middle Eastern world
0: you're absolutely right i feel like you do have this amazing perspective where you can talk about you know the the arab experience where you can bring in that perspective from the western world and it really just just listening to your podcast there's there's this part of me that's like okay why like why are there these issues and I, I would love to hear your thoughts on on wh- why do you believe people? Because I, I think people do. Why why do you believe people have a difficult time understanding different cultures? Is it about a, a comfort zone? Like what what do you think contributes to this lack of understanding?
1: You know, it's funny. You know, it, for for a lot of people, traveling is an expensive. You know, it's an expensive thing to do. Um, if you ever do have the chance to travel, especially from a young age, I think automatically that opens your mind and opens your, you know, and opens your heart to a lot more cultures because you get to see the humanity in every single place that you go, not just what the news feeds you, not just what you see in, you know, movies and stuff. But for those, for those who don't have the opportunity to travel, we're in a world now where you can do so much research and literally any question that you could ask is at your fingertips. And yet, we neglect to use it in a a responsible way. And mind you, I say this as an Arab and pointing towards myself as well. We are equally guilty of not using the tools that are given to us to, to adequately express ourselves. There is a lack of cultural understanding to the use of social media. So cultural social media use is different. Take, for example, one of the bloggers. Um, one, I speak to him in episode three. Uh, he's an Iraqi blogger with almost a million followers on Twitter. Haidar Hamzouz, wonderful, wonderful guy. So smart, so intelligent. And this and this person has had death threats by Iraqi militia. And um, he, he relocated to the United States. Uh, and he's been trying for three years in a row to get his mother to come visit him. And she's in Iraq at the moment. And this is a 70-year-old old lady, and you know how she uses social media. Her Facebook is in the morning going on and saying Jum'ah Mubarak, which is, you know, a blessed Friday, posting pictures of, you know, uh, you know little cherubs, uh, posting uh, uh, ayahs from surat from the Qur'an. This is how that demographic uses social media. So automatically when he is forced by the U.S. government and Homeland Security to provide her tags and her handle information, When a person who is culturally sensitive, you know, was social media culturally insensitive, the first thing they're going to see is the way that this 70 year old woman uses social media and they're not going to understand it because it's different. So now we've developed something which is not just personal and cultural differences, but how we use technology is different. And I think that's providing even more uh, of a crowbar separation um, between us. So I I thought that was pretty interesting because it's not something that I had initially thought about before, that there's a new technological cultural misunderstanding that's happening.
0: I think this what, what you bring up is so, so important because as technology is becoming more and more advanced in our in our society, it really is connecting the world in a global way. But, but with that said, everyone is still, you know, practicing different cultures. So it, I think it's important for people to be educated. I think in a lot of ways, social media could be a great way to educate ourselves on different cultures, but it's, ex- it's a, a, exactly what you were saying though, that it's, people don't, aren't understanding that that other cultures will use social media differently.
1: It's not only that, you know, the more we use social media, the more we become aware that, you know, we voluntarily block the people who we don't agree with. You know, our filter bubbles show us what what our habits are, our browsing habits. So it's not going to show us things that we don't normally look for or don't normally agree with. Excuse me. Um, So that. That in itself causes even more of an issue because while they're trying to do it to to serve us and to, you know, to store our cookies and to tell us what we want to buy at any time at any at any given point of the day, they're not encouraging healthy conversations between people who have different cultures and different views. And we see this no more clearly than during the U.S. elections. And I am I am guilty of that. You know, I am guilty of blocking people because I do not want to read what they have to say. But, you know, that's not necessarily the best way to move forward. We have this opportunity to speak to people from all over the world. And yet, because we're sort of afraid of what they have to say, or we have this gut reaction to dismiss it, you, you don't want to entertain it. You know, I have close family members who I, I just don't want to see what they post on their wall. And uh, sometimes I wonder if I'm making a mistake by not Delving further in what they have to say, you know, these are intelligent people. So there's got to be something to it. I just, you know, it, it's just, it, I feel like it's, it can go either way at this point. And especially, especially when, when we, when we start talking about, you know, Twitter and Facebook and, and freedom of expression and whether or not they should be liable for slander. That's a huge pivot in where freedom of expression goes. And we've already seen it shift a number of times over the past few months, let alone the past 10 years. So it's really like now social media has become um, a pioneering source of where freedom of expression goes. You know, what is considered hate speech as opposed to, you know, this is my belief and I have a right to it. That's a very gray line that I think we have to learn how to deal with now, And it's happening, but I I don't feel like it's happening with any grace, with any elegance. It's just mistake after mistake. And you're just, you know, shutting people down and, and, you know, and then there are consequences to that. So I went off on a tangent, but obviously I did. I did so because, you know, because I feel strongly about it because because I don't know. I feel bad sometimes. You know what I mean? Personally, I see that. I see what you're talking about. And as as somebody who's put this this podcast together i need to be more open and that's why um, looking forward in the future i'm not just pointing the finger at uh at, at the western world i have to take a good look at the reasons arabs feel the need to emigrate from their own countries to go somewhere else because you know surprise this doesn't just happen by itself there are reasons that this is this is happening brain drain is happening you know and I, I will talk more about that in the future. And I have a lot of personal personal reasons um, that I have to look inward as well and accept that I need to do more. You know, not only as an Arab, but, uh, but just generally somebody who wants to understand what the other person is saying.
0: And I think with that said too, Tamar, that I, I think that's the key to everything is, and I give you so much credit too for recognizing that within yourself, because that's something everybody needs to do. We all need to really look inward and say, okay, how can I do a better job at understanding the the world and understanding humanity and how people behave? I think what you're talking about too, with regards to how technology and, and social media plays into this, it really has been this, this fascinating and sometimes scary analysis of how social media has this power to warp people's beliefs because of exactly what you said, that people aren't going to be exposed to different ideas, philosophies, cultures that they don't agree with, and that information isn't going to be readily available for them. So they're just... Consistently seeing things that are confirming their own biases and prejudices. And so I would love to hear your thoughts on really how does that machine work in a not so good way? But then in addition to that, how does how does privacy play into this as well with regards to our privacy online and through social media? In one of your episodes, uh, one of the, I, I can't remember her name. I believe it was a woman who she was speaking about how immigration applications require social media handles. And to me, that yeah. is just, that is, that's is—that's wild. That's, a, that's insane in, in a certain sense. So there's obviously this, this level of Okay, what is privacy that is playing into this? So I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: You know, they keep trying to get you, whether it's the bigger corporations or, you know, startup companies or, you know, they keep trying to get you to sign up to to give just a little bit of information. You have people who are avidly against anything. They won't even give the store clerk their number because they don't want to receive SMSs. But it's become much more important than that. In the sense that, you know, even your banking, some things will just simply not work unless you're willing to give them. You don't have an email address, well, you can't join. Like, that's that's crazy. Um, you know, so the whole, the whole world is kind of shifting. And one of the areas I was looking at as well is Bitcoin and how that's going to affect a lot of people who aren't privy to these sort of things or, or, you know, less fortunate, somebody who doesn't necessarily have a home or a bank account. Um, but the whole privacy thing is, for the most part, I think, We all know that we're giving away bits and pieces of ourselves in return for immediate satisfaction, right? So it's immediate gratuitous satisfaction, whether it's you want to buy something right now, but you don't want to leave your house. All right, well, you know, Amazon's there. They already know where I live. They have all my information. So this is what surprises me is that when people sort of like, you know, they think that, you know, a vaccination is going to put a chip inside you to track where you. Well, they already know where you are. <laughs> you know, this, this is not new. Like they've, we've had this and it's just and, and the thing is, it's like, yeah, you, for for some immigration, it's it's voluntary whether you want to add it. And they put in very, very small writing. This may affect the status of your visa application. Uh, but chances are, yeah, you are voluntarily putting a red mark on yourself because you didn't choose to put that information. And they think that's suspicious, um, you know, and I've kind of learned that, you know, now certain people, depending on what kind of what kind of work they're in, whether they're lawyers or doctors with with personal information, you know, they go so far as to as to let their own lawyers you know, reprogram a password so they can't even get into it when they're traveling through the borders. And when the border officer says, you know, well, let me into this, he says, well, I can't. I don't know it. I, I actually don't know it. The only person who knows it is my lawyer. You know, so we've really reached that point where we've become much more aware, but the general person is kind of like free and loose with their information. And I think, I think the balance is how much do you want to make your life easier by giving away you know, little bits of your personality. Um, you know, everybody has been talking about um, uh, the social dilemma uh, recently. I haven't watched it myself because this is this this is actually what I've been studying for the past year. So nothing kind of surprises me. But I'm glad that something like that is out there because it just goes to show you how much we give away without really thinking about it. I don't know where the middle la- the middle ground is, um, but again, I feel like politically, socially, culturally, we're at such an important um, juncture right now, Junction where we can either go and and really move forward as as humanity or we're gonna basically end up getting getting bogged down in, in the details even more and more. Uh, very philosophical answer, I know, but there there is no answer for this I, I you know I, I don't know what what's happening. I don't know where it's going. It's kind of scary, especially with COVID as well. That kind of exacerbates the feeling of what do we do now and what happens next? You know, we're using the computers to be able to communicate with my families in Jordan, and I, I can't see them. I can't travel. You know, so I'm happy that I have the opportunity to connect with them in a digital way. Um, you know, what we're doing right now. You know, I give you my email. You know, you message me. We this this has become the new normal for us. Um, right. <laughs> But I don't know I don't know where it's headed. I, it can go either direction.
0: Yeah, it's really we're in this time of uncertainty for sure. And yeah. given given what this year has been, everyone's just wondering, okay, what is this almost done? Is it going to last a whole other year? Like and how I'm guessing, it, I'm how guessing is,
1: March. That's my estimate. My oh wife man, and I thought about it. i think March.
0: Fingers, fingers crossed. Uh yeah. but yeah, there's it's just And even when things do get better, 2020 has definitely changed the course of the world in some fashion. And it'll be interesting to see just how things come together. And in all honesty, this might be a, a big statement, but it is because of projects like yours, what you're doing with Traveling While Arab that really allows us in this time that could feel very divided, very mm-hmm. lonely. It allows yeah. us to, to learn more about other people's experiences.
1: And, you know, to learn more about ourselves. Like we've been put in this situation where we've had to be on lockdown with ourselves and with our family, you know, without the, the constant noise of going to work and being distracted where we can clearly avoid certain issues. We have, it's kind of like being in a room by yourself. You are going to think about some unpleasant things and unpleasant truths about your own self that now kind of more people are having to open up and admit to. You know, I think that's the difference. And in, in, in as far as the racial tension that's happening and political and racial tension, I think COVID added to that because we have nowhere to hide. We have no not as many distractions. I'm not talking about anything mundane, like, you know, just Netflix and stuff like that. Like true distractions of having to go into work, having to sit in, you know, in a traffic jam and listen to the radio, whatever it is, I feel like this has added and it brought us to the boiling point of, okay, this is a very, very serious turning point for us, regardless of which direction we go. It, it all came together kind of like a perfect storm.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is why personal stories and and why I was also struck by your podcast is that you're sharing personal stories of of people who have had these experiences. And I'd love to hear your thoughts just because your podcast is very much in a documentary style. Why do you believe personal story is powerful?
1: I think people are curious in general. I think innately we're curious. We like hearing people's stories. You know, we like hearing about theology and Greek mythology and stuff like that. But when we're actually listening to one voice where we get to know and we kind of feel that we have a connection in any way, you know, people are more tempted to listen to. And that's why, you know, podcasting has become so popular. And even even with COVID, it sort of, you know, it boosted it up. And now everybody and their uncles got a podcast. Which is is fine. You know, that's fine. You want to get your stories out there. Well, you know, we've shifted from writing books and telling the next generation about, you know, our stories to really having it on file. Uh, And for me, that's become super important because it's made me question my own roots as well. You know, for a long time, I felt very guilty about being Arab and particularly being Palestinian because I felt that, If I started off a conversation with that, with the wrong person, where are you from? You know, I never know what to say. I have a Jordanian passport. I have an American passport, but I'm Irish Palestinian by blood with some Belgian and some Greek in me. I don't know what to say, but I want to find out more because if I don't put in the story, if I don't help write my own story, no one else is going to do it for me. You know what I mean? Um, so I think there's a personal, there's a personal protection to your own story and your own legacy, but I think we like sharing that. And I think maybe that's, that could be the difference of opinion versus story. Listening to a person's story will help you, will round out the character as to why they believe what they do today. Um, so I think it adds a human element to opinions, which I think we need right now.
0: I cannot agree with you more on that, uh, Tamara. I, I I tell you, I can't appreciate you more for taking the time to come on this podcast Man, today. My,
1: absolutely, I, my pleasure. Absolutely, my pleasure. We
0: we've had we've had many guests on the Relate podcast, but I haven't had the opportunity to to interview someone with with your story and, and the the also the the background and the projects that you're pursuing now. I think it's so critically important. And so I not only appreciate you taking the time to be on the show, but also really appreciate the work you're doing as well.
1: Thank you, Patrick. You know, it's, it's just the start of something and it's still very small in scope, but hopefully we'll be able to continue telling these stories, which are very important to changing, you know, stereotypes. And I appreciate you taking the time to listen as well.
0: Where can our listeners find out more about you and the work that you're up
1: to? So right now, um, I'm currently, uh, I'm currently releasing, um, a lot of the unedited conversations, which, you know, we were talking about. So you have, um, you have the start of it at travelingwhilearab.net. That's with double L. Uh, I was taught to use the queen, the queen's English. Uh, so tra- travelingwhilearab.net. That's where you can find them on uh, on a website. But also, you can find them anywhere you can find your podcasts. And uh, I'm currently working on wrapping it up as a nice sort of uh, mini series with nine, nine episodes. The next three episodes I'm working on um, will be uh, specifically stereotypes and the need to assimilate, the need for Arabs to assimilate. And the final three episodes will be focused on. Uh, more inward focused as to why we feel the need to leave and, and there's a lot more personal stories that go into that. Uh, you can find out more information at Tamargar on Twitter. Uh, also Tamargargu on Facebook as well. I'll keep everybody up to date. There is also uh, at while Arab which I'm currently working on uh, adding some traction to that will become the official traveling while Arab Twitter. but in the meantime best place to find out more is uh, at Tamargar.
0: Great. Well, make sure to include those links for our listeners in the show notes. So listeners out there, I highly recommend checking out all of this great information. So Tamar, I have one last question for you before we call it a day. Sure. How can we as a society better relate to one another?
1: Yeah, I didn't have an answer to this until about, you know, five minutes ago. Uh, But I really think we hit on something. I I really think that the storytelling capabilities and the innate ability to communicate with one another, uh, you know, and the human need to, I think that's important, but I think we're being, we're being distracted by not hearing each other's voices physically, actually hearing each other's voices. I think, you know, when somebody comes online and doesn't like a post that you posted, you know, you just see letters, you just see aggressive letters and your initial instinct is to shut it down. But without looking further into the story of why they posted that, we will never understand each other. So I think we just have to use our platforms to the best of our ability and try to relate as much as we can.
0: Great, that's uh, in very well said. So uh, Tamara, thank you so much again.
1: Thanks Patrick, I loved being here.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Relate. You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.